0: And it's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. So go ahead, download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Highly recommended by me and everybody else here at the We Can't Wrestle podcast.
1: Listening to the We Can't Wrestle Podcast. Now it's time
2: for
0: our host, eight Manson. Hello, wrestling fans, and welcome to episode one hundred. And the fifty-two of the weekend wrestle podcast. Nate Max and your host here with you, along with my brother Aaron. What's up, hand bones? How's everybody doing out there tonight? We hope you are enjoying your day, your night. Whenever you're listening to the show, we hope you had a great Thanksgiving and headed toward Christmas to finally get the stupid holidays over with. But anyway, that being said, uh, I want to. Uh, let you know this week we are going to be discussing Starcade 1985. It's December, so we are in Starcade season for old school wrestling fans. The Gathering. The Gathering actually there were a few names proposed. Uh little known information here that I'm going to present to you on the We Can Wrestle podcast. They have, they ultimately went with The Gathering, you know, cuz that's the roads. Reach out and touch somebody, baby. Yeah, but we'll get into that. But yeah, the uh, the uh, the other the other name is bantied about for this pay per view. Starcade '85, everyone gets to bleed, or <laughs> Starcade '85, dusty finish. But other than that, no, they went with the gathering what for about this one.
3: Starcade '85 in living color, because <laughs> I wrote other down <laughs> a
0: lot. Yes, yes. Lots of color in this show. Um, I think sometimes also what people forget, like I've seen goobers in, in wrestling groups and stuff, you know, because sometimes we talk about there's too many titles in wrestling, and they'll say, oh, look at this NWA pay-per-view. There's like 15 title matches. Yes, but you obviously don't understand how territory wrestling works. Yeah, it was the <laughs> gathering. Right, exactly.
3: The gathering of all these little fucking mud show motherfuckers. Getting together and brand their little belt.
0: Yes, the national championship. the, price, the, the belt. Ex- but, yeah. but yes, that is what we're going to get into here. Uh, before we do that, want to encourage everybody to check out the other shows here on the WrestleNet Radio Podcast Network. If you smell what the arch is cooking with Archie Mitchell and Mark Brew every single week talking about the modern product. That's our modern product show now here. On the network, of course, reliving the extreme with Aaron Chad Austin of ECW and myself reco- re- recanting and chronicling the history we're of recanting. ECW. We're taking Re-cant- it back. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> recalling <laughs> the history,
0: we're, <laughs> re- we're, re- yeah, we're recalling the history of ECW. <laughs>
3: Shane picked the belt back up. It was. <laughs> I- <laughs>
0: I'd like to recall the fact that Ezekiel Jackson was the last ECW champion.
2: Nah, but get eventually, uh,
0: that'll be our series finale. Can you imagine that? That's going to be yeah. our series finale. <laughs> Is Mark Brew funny? Huh?
3: Is Mark Brew funny?
0: Um, I've heard him being more analytical on Archie's show. I don't really know. I, to be honest with you, I haven't had that kind of a conversation with him. So he's not a brew brouhaha. What would you say?
3: It says, so he's in a
0: brouhaha. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's get into the pay-per-view. Well, no, also check out Aaron's show, The Year That Was, dot, 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 1997. And Slice of Time, my show where we go through 25 years ago in professional wrestling. All that shit is available. The WrestleNet Radio podcast network for all of you to listen to. When I say shit, it's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. It's a good thing. (laughs) (laughs)
3: <laughs> um side note i got my hair cut which these people can't see me so that's fine but i got my hair cut because um one of the ladies i work with i walked in you know and i sat down and my my hair was like getting a little long and it was like flipping mm-hmm. out of the bag. it was almost becoming a it was it was my hair's curly to begin i don't know how your hair is but when your hair when my hair gets long it gets curly is yours we're related, obviously. Yeah. No, um. Mine's more straight. Same. No, mine, mine fucking curls out. Okay. And I'm sitting there, and this chick I work with, she's like, "We've all been talking, and you need to get a haircut." So like, <laughs> okay. So on my lunch break, I went and got my hair did, and the lady was like, "Do you want me to cut your beard?" I was like, "Absolutely not." did not cut my beard. I like my beard. But I want to fucking fade. And she cut it. And then when it was done, she was like, how do you look? I was like, like Kevin Owens. (laughs) And nobody knew what I meant. (laughs) I got a a crew cut and I have a gut.
0: See? Kevin Owens. Here's my proof. Here's the proof, ladies and gentlemen. If if, if you would have got your hair shaved in nineteen ninety-eight and said I look like Stone Cold Steve Austin, people would have known who the fuck you were talking about.
3: I said I look like Kevin Owens now. Crickets. Yeah. <laughs> I'm chunky. I have a fade and a beard, and nobody knows who I am.
0: <laughs> Kevin Owens. Fight you know. Aaron fight. <laughs> All right, here we go. Starcade 85. We are in two locations for this show Ooh. the Greensboro Coliseum and the Omni in Atlanta.
3: And do you not miss that?
2: Oh, yeah. When I oh,
3: yeah. the
0: fucking names.
3: Yes,
2: yes. Like, and I was, just.
3: It wasn't the
0: Tampax Mole and. And, and, and they. Arena. They had unique looks on television. Instead of all them all looking the same, like I just mentioned on slice of time, because the uh, the World War Three pay per view um, was the took scope? place at the Scope, and I always thought, man, the Scope was such a cool looking arena on TV.
3: Yeah, it's very small. Mm-hmm. But it looked cool.
0: Yes, absolutely. Um, the announcers for this show, Tony Schiavone, Schiavone, and. One of my three favorite play-by-play men. He's doing he's doing color on this one, but one of my three favorite play-by-play men of all time, Uncle Bob Cottle. Bob he's right guys. there with he's yeah. right there with Jim Ross and Lance Russell for me as my three favorite play-by-play guys. Um I the reason I, Oh,
3: go ahead, sorry.
0: I was just gonna say the reason I I know I've said it before, but the reason I start this show every week by saying hello, wrestling fans, is an homage to Bob Cottle. I think like Bob Cottle, and he's like
3: He's he's your happy uncle, yeah. <laughs> and it's, it's go ahead. No, I was name just name. gonna
0: say. I think that's I think that's why why I like him and Lance both. You know, it feel, you you feel like that guy is you're watching the show with him. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> he's not. He's not being pretentious. He's not. You know, and and I'm not dogging on Vince McMahon or even Gordon Soley. And I'm not saying I don't like Gordon Soli, And I understand why people from his era do regard him as so good. But I'm going to take Jim Ross, Lance Russell, or Bob Cottle over Gordon Soli, Honestly. Yeah. For me personally.
3: I, and I understand that. And I also, this is going to probably get some heat, too. But I don't hate
0: Tony Schiavone. No. No, Tony was fine.
3: There's a lot of people that fucking hate. Fucking... 80s 90s Tony Schiavone.
0: I, I don't him. get it. I don't get, I don't that, get that
3: at him. all. <laughs> I think he's I think he had a good fucking cadence to his commentary. He worked like you could put him in there with anybody and and, and he worked well. Mhm. I, I just I like I, this commentary team of Bob Cottle and Tony Schiavone is really good. I mean neither one of them are being fucking heels. Right. Because Bob Cowell's not gonna be like, oh yeah, I love the fact that he punched him in the dick, Tony. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I mean? they're
0: they're being they're they're being more of a sports commentary yeah. team here.
3: Yeah. And I like both of them.
0: They shoot to Johnny Weaver in Greensboro. Johnny, he's awkward here.
3: He's very <laughs> he looks <laughs> like, like the fucking he looks like the dude from the Goonies.
0: Well, his just his, his, his eyes, his snork? eyes, and everything like uh, he's sloth,
3: <laughs> not snork, snork, snork.
0: Like it. Is it snork from He Man?
3: <laughs> I don't know, but uh, uh what's the Goonie fucking dude? Sloth,
2: sloth, yeah. yeah.
3: Kind of looks like sloth from the Goonies. But I also didn't <clears throat> Johnny Weaver, and, and this is gonna like put him over hardcore. I didn't remember him having like a fucking Abdullah the Butcher head.
0: Yeah. Yeah, he's, he's gigged up.
3: Gigged to the fucking
0: brand. Well, and and <clears throat> the mid-Atlantic area in the 70s, um, him him, and, and uh, uh, Paul Jones, those are two careers that I guess I just, I don't have enough I haven't seen enough of, or what what have you, or whatever. But 70s, Paul Jones and Johnny Weaver apparently fucking tore it up in the Mid-Atlantic area. They were the biggest stars in town, you know?
3: Yeah, well, I didn't see that shit. <laughs> I wasn't born yet. I shouldn't say shit. I don't mean shit like saying, oh, that's shit. Right. Like, Johnny Weaver, I'm a, I am will say... I understand why people would think he was a big star, but I didn't see him, so I don't 100 right. stand it. You
0: know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, li- literally my first exposure to Johnny Weaver is seeing him on, like, 1981-82 Mid-Atlantic stuff where he's just this kind of guy that's just kind of around. <laughs> you know, he's just he's just there working the spot shows. He's coming in once in a while on TV. But, no, I don't know a whole lot about him. I just know in this segment, like... The eyes, like he's like, uh, am I on camera? Am I off camera? Am I on camera? Like he's he's very awkward in this setting. Well, his
3: head's hamburger, <laughs> so
0: his
3: brain's like a fucking angel food cake in the rain. He has no fucking idea what's going on.
0: Then they play the little league version of the uh, the national anthem for us. You know what my note is? What?
3: The start of the national anthem, I thought Slick was coming out. <laughs> it started exactly like the start <laughs> of Jive Silver <Soul> All. <laughs> but I was like, when the drums were rolling, I was like, fucking Slick? Was it Stark in '85? <laughs> I didn't know he (laughs) managed Corporal or Chef. I didn't fucking know that, but no, it was the start of the national anthem.
0: (laughs) All the uh, (laughs) they pan the crowd and Washington was like,
3: (laughs) (laughs) "I'm thinking George Washington just stepping to fucking." Slick's theme. (laughs) This jive little lady, I
0: didn't know. (laughs) I told her I'm a forefather. (laughs) The first match of this show is for the Mid-Atlantic Championship. It is Sam Houston against Crusher Khrushchev. And, of course, Crusher Khrushchev is Barry Darso slash Demolition Demolition Smash. And um Sam Houston who <sighs> Sam Houston is the right wrestler. wrestler. Yes, in the right setting, Sam Houston is a star. Sam Houston was never gonna be a star in the WWF, the land of giants. I mean he gets in there with a lot of those guys and he looks like a fourteen year old. But and then I'm not saying that Crusher Khrushchev looked like a fourteen year old, but what I'm saying is in 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 territory wrestling terms. Sam Houston's a star. He's charismatic. He's He's got a good look.
3: look. He's a good little wrestler.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
3: And And, that's not disparaging him. He's a good little wrestler. I'm not. That's not disparaging Sam Houston. That's like actually kind of. A compliment. mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It's like this dude can fucking go. This might be a, a stupid comparison. But you know what? I, do you know what I compare him to? What's that? If you would look at it as like a WWF aspect, he's fucking Lanny Poffo. Yeah. Like, he's not gonna look like a fucking giant compared to these other guys, but he's actually probably a better fucking worker than the guy he's in there with.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Like, he made fucking Smash look like a fucking champ. I know he wasn't smash here, but you know what I mean. He yeah, made, I mean I he made Barry Darso look fucking fantastic. Barry Darso is actually honestly a fucking good worker too. But he gave Barry Darso a better match than Barry Darso, Barry Darso deserved, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, and I actually have written down here Houston is a good fiery baby face an accentuated Khrushchev as the heel that's literally what i have written cool. down here and the match was good good standard fare for an opening match and uh the Khrushchev
2: day, go oh sorry what's
0: that no go ahead the
3: note i had was any russian wrestler ever actually russian
0: <laughs> um actually the the trivia que- the answer to that trivia question is no until 2021, there is a wrestler signed to WWE, and I cannot remember his name. But he is – because I saw this a couple of weeks ago. I was like, well, that's a neat little fact. He's literally the first Russian wrestler in the United – the first wrestler billed from Russia in the United States that's actually Russian. So uh, this guy, I think he's – I think they've got him starting with WWE UK maybe, or NXT UK. But anyway.
3: He's very um, released by the time this show <laughs>
0: But yes, you're right. Every every Russian in wrestling wasn't from Russia, not not here in the states anyway.
3: And Krucha, Crusher fucking Barry Darso's funny too because they didn't even attempt.
0: No, They're he's just like, a oh, dissenter.
3: He, he's just a dissenter. Like just <laughs> talk, and that was actually pretty cool, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Just like him being other with his fucking Minnesota accent. Like, w I love w- the fucking yeah,
0: uh, yeah I love know. Moscow and vodka. Yeah. <laughs> WWE kind of stole that later on down the line when they had Rob Conway with La Resistance. Yeah, you know yeah. he was the he was the dissenter hanging out with the Frenchman. Um, well, the Crusher Khrushchev wins this match, but Sam Houston's foot was on the rope, undetected by the referee. The Crusher that was a cool thing They did. What's
2: that?
3: That was a cool thing they did. Because if you remember in the, the beginning of the match, not the beginning of the match, but Sam gets his foot on the rope and the referee continues the match. How do I say it? Um, Khrushchev gets his foot on the rope mm-hmm. and they continue the match. And then Sam gets his, on, gets his foot on the rope and the ref misses it. Yeah. If he didn't if, if notice that. So that was cool. It's a it's an old school thing, and, and it, it, this match actually entertained me.
0: It was a good match, a good opening match for the show. Um, the next match is Abdullah the Butcher and Manny Fernandez, in what they called a Mexican Death Match. And what makes it a Mexican Death Match? That's right. There's a sombrero on a pole, ladies yeah. and gentlemen. <laughs> Vince
3: Russo. Sent in his idea in a little envelope as a child. <laughs> <and> like let's <listed. laughs> Um, but actually, <laughs> this is funny. I didn't know this until recently. But I saw a thing with Mandy Fernandez. You know what he said? What's that? He said he claims, and this is. This is a claim from Manny Fernandez.
0: So take it for what it's worth.
3: So take it for what it's worth. Because this guy said that he fucking served in Vietnam and lost a leg or whatever. And he saw both his legs. But anyway, Manny Fernandez claims that this match was supposed to be the main event. The last match of Starcade Atlanta until Dusty Rhodes walked into the building and saw the crowd and was like, nope, baby. Me and
0: Rick gotta go in last. Lots and lots of bullshit detected there from Mr. Fernandez. (laughs) This was exactly what you would expect from these guys. I, I know you are... You are a bit of a Manny Fernandez fan. I
2: am not. I like Manny
3: Fernandez. Manny Fernandez in the ring. That's also another note that I have. Manny Fernandez in the ring is really fucking good. He's a fu- He fires up. He's, he's technically sound. And I, I fucking actually, I'm at, even though he's full of shit and I will, but I love his stories. He's. I love Manny Fernandez. Not. I don't want to marry him or anything, but I fucking <laughs> enjoy his work. And I, I, there's nothing wrong with him in the ring,
0: in my opinion. This match is bloody as hell. Actually, Abby's hey. bleeding before the match even starts. Um, which, <laughs> but there's uh, you know, Abdullah <clears throat> to win the match. Obviously, you have to climb the pole. And capture the the hat, <laughs> capture the sombrero, and uh, that's the whole point here. Um, they, you know, they use a hammer. They use the belt, like a, a leather belt. Um, that I don't I don't remember if Abby brought out the fork or not, or a you know the spike thing, but uh, there's you just love- a set. The, um,
3: go ahead. Sorry?
0: I was just saying they're just essentially cutting each other up and beating the shit out of each other in this matchup.
3: I um, I put in that, like you were saying, I put 90% of this match fucking Manny's working bleeding. <laughs> um, I also have in my notes with a question mark, is Paul Jones the best, worst wrestling <laughs> manager ever?
0: Um, Because there's uh,
3: been some really, really good Worst wrestling man. <laughs> Does that make sense? i saying yes, yes. Like, worst. This is the best worst wrestling manager ever.
0: <laughs> He's the best of the worst.
3: Yeah. <laughs> like, like his his fucking stable is so goddamn bad. It's fucking enjoyable.
0: <laughs> it never. None of the it never. They never matched up. Like, like people. People. very random. It was
3: very random. random. Yeah, people hate on um, Paul Jones as being a manager, but when I watch it, I'm like, his stable is so fucking bad that I fucking like. It. I love it.
0: <laughs> what I want to see at some point is I want to go down a Paul Jones as a wrestler rabbit hole because um, again, he's like Weaver, where I've heard so many good things about him. And I just don't know how much there is out there and I've God, how many hours in a day do you have? You know, sometimes you want to go down a rabbit hole, but it's like, Jesus Christ, I got this to watch and I want to watch this and do I really have time in my life to explore the career of Paul Jones? And but I've wanted to before. Like when we when I had Barry Rose on the show, he said that uh he it Paul Jones in Florida was one of his favorite guys down there. And, and, you know, he's like, have you ever seen any of that stuff? And I'm like, absolutely not. No idea. My exposure to Paul Jones is Paul Jones as the manager. That's what I know of Paul Jones. The best, worst manager. Like, (laughs) fucking Mr. Fuji.
3: Mr. Fuji is one of the best, worst managers ever. (laughs) Yes, boy, son. Yeah, boy, son. He's fucking, (laughs) unless he's with Morocco, it's a fucking train wreck.
0: (laughs) Or demolition.
2: Yeah.
3: But that's the way I look at it. It's like... I think it. it's
0: so bad, it's good. <laughs> and what do they have in common? They both manage the Barbarian.
2: Yeah! <laughs>
3: <laughs> also, I'm going to say this one thing about this match. Which I gave two and a half stars, by the way. I've starred all these matches, so if if we go through these and you... Want to know what my star rating is? You can ask me. If not, I don't give a fuck. But fucking Manny Fernandez suplexed Abdul the Butcher.
2: Mm-hmm. That was
0: pretty impressive. I, was
3: goddamn impressive! I don't care what anybody wants to say. He suplexed that motherfucker, and it looked great. It did. Like it didn't look like a mm, like a. Whatever suplex, like, Mm
2: -hmm.
3: like shit suplex. He fucking suplexed that much. It was like a Steiner Brothers suplex on Abdullah the Butcher. So good job, Manny Fernandez. I know you didn't serve in Nam, (laughs) but I'll give you a salute for that.
0: Well, the finish came in this match when Abdullah tried to hit, hit a, a turnbuckle thrust on Mr. Fernandez and he missed and, uh, Manny kind of quickly jumps over him and gets the sombrero and runs out of the ring and he wins the Mexican Death Match at Starcade '85, much to the to the delight of the fans.
3: And to me, I actually, I'm not gonna lie, I loved. I shouldn't say I loved. I really liked this
0: match. Then we get Johnny Walker doing a, an interview with the new Johnny mid-Atlantic Walker. champion. <laughs> when did
2: I say Johnny, Johnny Walker?
0: Hey, hey. <laughs> Johnny <laughs> Weaver. <laughs> you know what's funny? I, I did that to myself because my notes say Walker interviews Khrushchev. So I wrote Walker now. Hey, hey, hey,
2: hey. JJ Walker <laughs>
3: interviewed <Crusher> Khrushchev. <laughs> fucking great. Like <laughs> fucking... Crusher Cruise walks in, and he's like, hey, what's happening? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <it
0: matters. laughs> All right. Crusher Khrushchev Chef interview. It is what it is. <laughs>
2: Pretty what's standard happening?
0: stuff. <laughs> Go uh, it's going to... The, uh, the title of this show will be Hey, 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 Crusher okay. Khrushchev.
3: <laughs> What's happening?
0: <laughs> the next match on the show,
1: more Sorry. juice.
0: More juice in this one. Yes, and the mad, this match was not very good at all. It is Ron Bass against Black Bart. JJ Dillon is Black Bart's manager. Bart and uh, Bass actually used to be the Long Riders, correct? That was their tag team name.
1: Yeah,
0: they uh, they have a match here. It is a Texas Bull Rope match, which again, um, excuse the pun, with the last match having a sombrero in it. But are we putting a hat on a hat here? Um, we, we've got uh, again more. I mean, more blood. Um, actually. Black Bart bleeds like a fucking sib in this match. Um he's hit he's hit with a cowbell pretty much immediately by Ron Bass. Um at a point there's also a point in this match where Tony, Tony Shibati and Bob Cottle completely quit calling it.
2: Yeah, they
3: they don't talk at all.
0: <laughs> like it was like like I was like, all right, maybe you know they're getting a you know, sometimes wrestling announced like they turn the mics off or whatever because a production assistant's talking to them or something and you don't hear them for 30 seconds or whatever. They weren't talking for like, I'd say a good straight two minutes in this match.
3: Yeah. Or, or they try to say don't like um, how do you want to say it? Like like when an entrance is happening
0: mm-hmm. don't talk over the the crowd or whatever. Yeah, Bob Cottle and Tony Schiavone are just like, whatever. <laughs> They're just sitting there, just I don't know what they were doing, but they weren't calling this match um very nice. <laughs> again, the match was not not super good. Um the 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 win oh I, I forgot to mention if, if Ron Bass wins the match, he gets to have a Texas bull rope match also with JJ Dillon. Uh, as the revenge,
3: J.J. really does good. In my opinion, yes, does a good job, and we'll get to that. But like, this match is just not good. It, it um, I I don't like Black Bart mm-hmm. at all. Like, I'm to, I'm to the point where I shouldn't say to the point. But in my life, when I see Black dart, I'm like, oh, here comes Black (laughs) Shark. That's what I'm going to call him. Black Shark from now on. Black Shark. And I actually don't mind Ron Bass. But I don't see any... um, Qualities of black or not black art. black shirt, or <laughs> I don't know how to say that you and edit this, but I don't see any good qualities of Ron Bass as a baby face. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm yeah, saying?
0: De- yeah, definitely. Like, definitely,
3: Ron, Ron Bass is a fucking heel all day. I'll take yeah. it. I love, I, I'll watch Ron Bass as a heel, like when he was in WWF and he feuded with fucking. Yeah.
0: Um,
2: Bruce beef, beef cake beef.
0: and beefcake.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, like I'll dig them all day on that. Like I don't think there's anything fundamentally wrong with Ron Bass as a fucking heel, but Ron Bass babyface is fucking boring.
0: You know, it's one of the cool one. One of the cool little things I like when Ron Bass's career. I like when they did the little like in it, it only really took place on primetime wrestling but they had like a month long little program heel versus heel with him and bad news brown
2: yeah
0: like they didn't turn either one of them babyface they just they were just two like they piece two of ass- shit assholes. heels yeah just two assholes feuding with each other i dug that yeah, that was that's good that's what
3: i'm saying like they they could have even done this with fucking black bart and black shirt and fucking long <laughs> <line> mass. <laughs> Like, let them both be assholes. You know what I mean? But but Ron Ron Bass shouldn't be a babyface,
2: in my opinion.
0: Well, Bass does defeat Black Shark here. (laughs) I guess we've we've, uh, given him that new namesake. And uh, then that means that he gets the Texas Bull Rope match with J.J. Dillon. Dillon comes in, and like Aaron said, J.J. Dillon pro all the way here. Um, he comes in and attacks Bass, and uh, Bass fights back with the cowbell, but he knocks down the ref and uh, Black Bart. Here's where this thing went wrong to me. The JJ, the JJ part of everything was fine, and the fact that he got the the win, I guess, was, was fine.
3: Fucking territory.
0: Yes, the only thing that I thought was silly was this would have been a good opportunity to bring somebody else into Dylan's stable because the guy that Bass just beat then costs Bass. You know what I mean? Like the the way that the Bass uh, Black Bart match went down, like this is one of those things where Black Bart should have lost and then just been laying out on the apron. So somebody else could come out and help JJ Dylan win. If that makes sense.
3: Yeah, it does. Like, I mean, I don't know who was in the fucking territory at the time yeah but yeah. like let it be like fucking like one man gang or something
2: Mm-hmm.
3: like I'm sure he probably wasn't around at that time, but you know what I mean yeah, I don't know what you're saying.
0: well Dylan wins that thing and then we get nope. to
3: sorry um JJ. Dylan is a guy that as a kid we grew up obviously in the fucking Midwest or whatever and didn't have NWA TV as much as we did as we got older. I think like to me, like when I was like like watching videos and shit and didn't have all the content to it, you know, or the context to it, Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, J.J.'s like a fucking Bobby Heenan ripoff.
0: Yep, same. But the older I've
3: gotten and the more I've watched shit, I'm like, fucking J.J. was great. Like him and Tully and all that shit. It's like J.J. was fucking fantastic.
0: Mm -hmm. There could have been no other. I'm not saying he
3: was as great as Bobby Heenan Hmm. at all. I was just like, man, that, that was a different
0: character. I was about to say, there could have been nobody, including Bobby Heenan. And that's not, again, not saying, obviously, we've we've talked at length on this show about how much we love Bobby. There is nobody, including Bobby Heenan, that could have been the manager of the Four Horsemen. Yeah. You know, no. like, Bobby Heenan wouldn't have fit it. As good as he, I mean, okay, I guess I shouldn't say that, because Bobby Heenan probably could have fit it. But what I'm saying is, no, J.J. No, Dillon.
3: You're, you're absolutely right. Don't second guess yourself. Fucking JJ was the best goddamn manager for the fucking Four Horsemen.
2: Mm-hmm. And
3: like even before he became the manager of the Four Horsemen, like when it was like him and Tully, like him and Tully were fucking fantastic together. It's like these guys belong together.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: And he just fucking worked perfect. And like I said, like
0: I said, he was a he, great man, he was a great manager for Luger too. Yeah. You know, he yeah. was almost like J.J. Dillon was, and obviously it's not the same type of personality. They have completely different personalities. But J.J. Dillon, is a manager, first of all, he always came off as he was, it was like he was the real quote, quote unquote manager. Secondly, he was almost. The advocate before Paul Heyman was the advocate. Yeah. You know.
3: Yeah, like he's he's not I don't want to say it like how do I talk about with JJ? Like my my I understand the advocate thing, but like my thing also with JJ was that JJ Dillon, even though Bobby was a wrestler. And we all know he was, and he mm-hmm. can take bumps and all that shit. You look at it back now, but JJ was great because you could underst like almost believe, that if this guy was in a fight, he might actually be able to kind of do something, hold his own. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that's my opinion. Okay.
0: <clears throat> well, he wins this deal with Black or with uh, Ron Bass. The next thing is I, it's god awful. I hate the next segment. I, I am a huge barbarian fan, folks. I am. But this deal, it's him and superstar Billy Graham. It starts out in an arm wrestling match. And I'll be honestly, Barbarian's very, you know, very young at this point. And as big of a fan of his as I am, this whole thing, it starts as an arm wrestling match. Of course, you get your <clears throat> your standard the uh the 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 heel head butts the the baby face when he wins or whatever with a with a wrestling arm wrestling match and then they start the match itself with of course Billy Graham's pleading um i, I don't know Paul Jones is involved cuz he's the manager of the barbarian i was i was only like to be honest i was half paying attention to this cuz it lost my interest during the arm wrestling part
2: well it should
3: have. Because Superstar Billy Graham is a walking piece of shit. (laughs) I hate him. Like, like I can't watch anything involving Superstar Billy Graham and just enjoy it.
0: Hmm. I mean, I dig some of the promos and stuff from back in the 70s and everything, and I see why he was a big attraction. As a human being, yeah, he's a piece of garbage. Mm -hmm. Um, Trash. And by this point in his wrestling career, he's just very bloated and immobile and... Not good. Like I said, I, I I won't go to the extent of Aaron where I say I can't watch anything he ever did. I enjoy his stuff he did with Dusty Rhodes and the in the WWF or WWWF. I, I liked his pro, I like his old old time promos from back then during his reign as champion and et cetera, et cetera. So I'll give the devil his due there. But it, I mean, he definitely wasn't bringing a goddamn thing to the plate at this show.
3: His garbage.
0: So, best said, less said about that, the best. Put him on the curb. <laughs> up next, we have a good match. I dig this match a lot. Um, the NWA National Heavyweight Championship is Buddy Landell and Terry Taylor. Yes. And um, a, good, a good touch to this, because J.J. Dillon is also Buddy Landell's manager at this time, but he shows up late to the match.
2: Because yeah.
0: he's got to get... Guy gives a little bandage around his head.
3: <laughs> Sorry, that was actually a note that I put in there. That it was actually a good touch of the match. That fucking the cryon or whatever at the bottom of it said. Buddy Landell with JJ Dillon and JJ wasn't out there right away. hmm Nowadays he'd just be walking out now I'm showing <laughs> with him or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um my notes both say that um when they're like, oh, Terry Taylor versus Buddy Landell. First note. This should be really good. <laughs> Both were very great and underrated. Um, I prefer Terry Taylor as a heel. I know he's a yeah. great situation, but I actually—that's well, because
0: face. he's a natural heel. Like his personality is—is yeah. is a heel personality, like literally a heel personality, and his look. Mm-hmm. Like when you look at like Terry Taylor, like yeah.
3: Uh, that's a in a good way, that's a guy I'd wanna hate. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like like not saying he's like that's just I don't wanna say it. It's like I'm not saying he's like built like Rick Rude or whatever, but it's like yeah this guy is a guy that if I saw him walk in the fucking room, I'd just like, eh. I kinda wanna hate this guy.
0: Yeah, yeah. His- Looks looks like a prick. <laughs> Let's be what honest. He looks
3: prick. like a prick. <laughs> and, and Terry Taylor was a fantastic wrestler. Mm-hmm.
2: Like,
3: a lot of people don't realize that because they think of like the Red Rooster or whatever. But Terry Taylor was fantastic in the well, ring.
0: Strip strip down the Red Rooster. Watch his WWF run without that. Don't put that in your head. I'm just like there. There are a lot of people that don't they deprive themselves of watching good wrestling matches or having an objective ap- approach to a wrestling match because they hate a gimmick. Do you see what I'm saying? Like yeah. I don't like the repo man, so the repo man never had good matches. Barry Darso had some great matches as the repo man. Steve Kern had some great matches as Skinner. Yeah, you know, you can get past the gimmick.
3: And I, I know you're going to, you kind of gloss over. I said it, and you, I don't know if you caught it, but fucking Terry Taylor was not as good as, but was 67% Ric Flair.
0: Yeah, that's obviously what that gimmick was
3: supposed to be based oh, on. Oh, yeah, that was Ric you know? Flair on the way. <laughs> Doing the strut and all that shit. He was fucking Ric Flair. And I just I think Terry Taylor gets a fucking bad rap because they put that goddamn red spray paint or whatever in his fucking head. And 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 that's just how I feel about it. And fucking Buddy Landell's Career could have been so much better if he wouldn't have been his own fucking worst enemy.
1: Yep.
0: I was I actually have this on my notes. <clears throat> Buddy could have been so much more if he would have got out of his own way. Um <clears> that those those stories have been chronicled, and we know all that, but what a fucking piece of talent. Um Landell goes over in this match when um <clears throat> Taylor Terry Taylor attempts a superplex. James J. Dillon trips him and Landell falls on top of Terry Taylor and gets the victory in the National Heavyweight Championship. Yes.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So good for you, buddy. <laughs> All right. The next match here at Starcade 85 is the Andersons. Ole and Arn Anderson, the national tag team champions, against an odd pairing, but a good pairing. Wahoo McDaniel. And Billy Jack Haynes. Billy Jack Haynes now <laughs> has gone insane yes. and is, is just off the rails. Stone cold piece of shit.
2: Yeah, but
0: is. at this time, from probably 85 to 87, that was the window. I think Billy Jack Haynes could have been a huge star. I don't know what happened. Um I know I've heard things about how he was kind of flaky and just always wanted to go back to Portland and, and all that. But <clears throat> not being inside, obviously, I don't know exactly what happened, but he missed the window. But I think at this time, with his look and he had a good charisma and people dug him, he could have been a much bigger star than he wound up ultimately being. <laughs>
3: You know what's funny? My jokes. (laughs) My jokes. My notes.
0: What's that? Your notes got jokes?
3: (laughs) (laughs) Kind of. Fans dug him, but I really don't see anything at all in Billy Jack (laughs) Haynes.
0: I (laughs) guess we we disagree.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Also, in my notes is that Ole Anderson had cool fucking boots. (laughs) <laughs> all of his fucking boots, man. Those brown boots with the white fucking diagonal stripes on them. Those mm-hmm. are cool fucking boots. Yeah. But fucking Billy Jack is trash.
0: <laughs> all right, we're just gonna agree to disagree <laughs> on Billy Jack. I liked this match. Um I like the match. I thought the parties all worked well together, obviously. Wahoo's gonna beat the, sh- you know, slap the shit out of somebody. And, uh, him and Ole, two old school workers, and Arn coming up. And, uh, like, has I been previously stated, I think Billy Jack was good here. Aaron probably thinks he was garbage, but. No, he <laughs> sucked dick. He's terrible. I think, I think this match overall was good. Um, then the heels go over here. The Minnesota Wrecking Crew beat Wahoo and Billy Jack Haynes. Um, I don't have, I mean, I don't have a lot of notes on it, just that I liked the match and that Wahoo, I I put Wahoo was chopping overtime here. He was getting the, he was getting the chops in and, uh, I I only
3: have one thing to say.
1: No, I want to get in shape because I got one last fight. (laughs) You versus me. You beat women real good. you woman beater. You punk ass woman beater. You're a woman beater I don't like woman beaters, asshole Dana White, let it happen And may the best man win Steve Austin, stone cold piece of shit <laughs> You're not getting away with it You're not beating a woman up on my watch I'll knock your ass out Steve Austin You punk ass woman beater Dana White, I know Vince You're too chicken shit to take the fight You're a mark That's all work to you Stone Cold Steve Austin. Pussy! You can beat up a woman, but you can't beat up Billy Dad Kane. You, every year, might think I'm insane. Uh, Dad, what's his name? Stone Austin? Is he a woman beater? It's all work. Caesar said the same thing, didn't he finish? The heat went on me, but now I'm challenging you to a UFC fight, one minute round to a finish. And I the it You get it? You're not getting away with it. You're not beating the woman up on my watch. Goes around, comes around, bitch. It's happening right now. And the same with you two. Stone Cold Steve Austin. Billy Jack James versus Stone Cold Steve Austin in a UFC fight. No, I'm talking to shoot. What's the answer, Stone Cold? What's the answer? <laughs> it won't <You> know, stop. <laughs> have no balls to say yes. Wait a minute, Stone Cold, baby, you're a girl. Who knows? I never see you in the shower because Billy Jack Cage can't show. Hey, stone gold drink? piece of what shit. <laughs> there you
0: go. Yeah, best promo of the night. All right.
3: <laughs> stone gold piece of shit.
0: <laughs> oh, after this match, yes. we get uh, Johnny Weaver, not Johnny Walker. Yeah, J- hey, uh, hey, 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 with J.J. That? Dillon and Buddy Landell, and uh, I just wrote out standard promo here. Um, the next match, I don't think we have to elaborate on too much because oh. it's been well. I'm just saying it's been we've talked about it before on the show. It's been elaborated on a bajillion times by a bajillion people, but it is Tully Blanchard a Magnum TA for the U.S. title in an I Quit match. And it's one of the classic matches of all time. I will say that
3: Or I shouldn't say. I'm not going to talk too much about it. It is more than one of the most classic matches of all time, in my opinion. In my opinion, this is one of my favorite matches. Matches in the history of professional wrestling.
0: What I wrote down. It, sorry, it, I don't. I'm, I'm going to let you elaborate because what I wrote down is in a for professional wrestling this is one of the top 10 most real feeling wrestling pro wrestling matches if that ever, if that makes sense that's what i'm saying like this fucking
3: match and the build to it and every, like as i got older and i got to watch the actual like as a kid i watched the match i'm a, i'm a, I'm going to say the first time I actually saw this match is in its fucking entirety. Okay? Mm-hmm. There was a VHS tape that I bought. I shouldn't even say I bought. Mom probably bought for me at a fucking Music Land or whatever. And it was like Greatest Matches of Starcade.
2: Mm-hmm. Okay,
3: And this was on there. And mm-hmm. I watched it. Over and fucking over and over. And I'm like, this is one of the best goddamn matches I've ever seen in my entire life. And then the older I got, I finally got to see all the shit that built up to it. And I'm like, this is one of the, not only one of the greatest fucking matches I've ever seen in my life. This is one of the greatest stories ever told in wrestling. Fucking Magnum TA versus Tully Blanchard is one of the most natural goddamn feuds that you could ever have in wrestling. Mm
2: -hmm.
3: And locking these two guys in a fucking cage and having it be this I quit stipulation is fantastic. And the ending of it, it, it's... The ending of this match, and and you can tell me if I'm a fucking asshole or whatever, you can tell me fine, I'll say okay, whatever. But to me, the ending of this match is as good as Brett and
0: Austin. Um yeah, I mean it's it's up there. I, I mean and, and and everything's subjective. So I mean, I would I would give the nod to Brett and Austin, but I can absolutely see where you're coming from. Well, no, I'm I'm saying Brett and Austin was better, but this is just as fucking good.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm. Like the the fucking chair breaking and the and now it's a spike, and neither one of these guys fucking knew that was going to happen, and 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 Tully at first being like, "Oh, I got this wooden chair, now I'm gonna fucking stab him," and it backfires, and now it's on him. And, and and Tully doesn't Tully doesn't even say I quit. He just goes, Yes, yes. Yeah. So later on he can say, I didn't say I quit.
0: Right.
1: <laughs>
3: yes. But but at the moment you don't think about it. You know, this fucking thing is fantastic. And I know Nate, you're not as big a fan of him as I am, but I think I think Magnum TA would have not been the WWF champion. But I think Magnum TA if, if that shit wouldn't have happened to him I think Magnum TA at some point, especially when Dusty left and went over there I think Magnum TA probably would have been at least at least the WWF Intercontinental Champion,
0: and if he didn't go to the WWF, he would have been the NWA Champion. He would have and,
3: definitely been the NWA Champion. But what I'm saying is, like when Dusty went and opened mm-hmm. that shit, Mag Maggie Mag probably would have went with him. And I think I think Magnum PA would have been like at this at, at that level of being like the Intercontinental Champion.
0: Yes, and and you're right. I think that I also think that if let, let's say that doesn't happen, let's say he doesn't go with Dusty, okay? I've always thought if he would have cuz to trans the only thing about Magnum I think to transition and and I want to I want to put this in perspective and I think you might understand what I'm saying. But to transition from the 80s to the 90s, he would have had to do what Rick Rude did. And, and change his appearance a little bit. Yeah. And change his, you know, change a little bit about his demeanor and update himself like Rick Rude did. I, I, you know, but what I'm saying is, I'll get to my ultimate point here. If Magnum TA stays, if he stays healthy, doesn't have the accident, and he stays and doesn't go to the WWF, I don't think Sting happens, at least at the level that he did. Probably not. I don't, I don't understand. You know that. what I'm saying? Like Sting kind of filled a void there.
3: No, it would have been it would have been Flair Magnum it, the '89 Clash.
2: I understand mm-hmm. that,
3: but I'm just saying that, man. Imagine Magnum TA versus Kurt Hennig, <laughs> watching him in this match, and the fucking charisma, and the look, and the build of that motherfucker. And Vince McMahon looking at him.
0: Yeah.
3: And just being like, fuck it. Fucking...
0: Strap the rocket to him.
3: Strap a rocket to that motherfucker. <laughs> he, he's going he's gonna to be a star. Like, like it would have been... It would have been... How do I want to say it? And, and this might be a... I know we got a couple other things to talk about, but it, it would have been... Carrie Von Eric without the problems. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, it would have been exactly what he wanted to do with Carrie Von Eric when he got him, but not because Magnum doesn't have fucking pill problems and drug right. problems and shit. Like, nothing that happened to Magnum TA was anything other
0: than his fucking. Yeah. Yeah. Mag- Magnum wouldn't be bringing any baggage in with him. Yeah. He would have been a perfectly. Uh, controlled
3: citizen in that situation
2: Mm -hmm.
3: I think if Vince McMahon would have got his grasp on the fucking Magnetier it'd be a totally different fucking story totally different fucking story and Tully is the and I know I'm a bigger fan of Tully Blanchard than you are but Tully Blanchard is the perfect just little shit that you want to see get his ass kicked Mm -hmm. like out of all the horsemen like when you watch all the horsemen Arn, badass you know what I mean like yeah oh that guy could kick your ass holy he can kick your ass Ric Flair ladies man who's Mm -hmm. not gonna like Ric Flair
0: and can also and can also go out there and go an hour in the ring with you.
3: Yeah, he's out there getting all the poon and he's fucking happy and and uh, yeah, it's the cool. Uh, who wouldn't want to hang out with Rick Flair? Tully Blanchard, asshole. <laughs> you know what I mean? He's the yeah. prick of the group. So you want to see this guy get his fucking ass kicked. This match is not very long. And it's not like Ricky Steamboat versus Ric Flair, but this fucking match to me is one of the most realistic and best fucking formulated matches I've ever seen in my life. I fucking love it.
0: It is fantastic.
3: I, I wrote down to me, This is a four-star fucking match. Fucking love it.
0: And probably the best match on the card. Um, It's not probably. It is. There's another match that I dig on here, but um, it's for different reasons. The next match has Jim Cornette and the Midnight Express with a 20-pound anchor tied to their um, heels. Okay, so we have got Jimmy Valiant. He's trash. The, bo- the Boogie Woogie Man, <laughs> and this I have always been like totally. I don't understand this Miss Atlanta lively thing with Ronnie Garvin. Like for I'm I'm 43 years old, and for for let's see, probably the first time I ever saw that stuff. Eh, I was maybe 15. So for almost 30 years I've been completely disgusted and appalled by I I don't know I just I again I'm not I'm not a big I, I as I have gotten older being honest I know I used to like totally shit on Ronnie Garvin as I've gotten older as I've grown and I've watched like stuff from say well I guess stuff in Smoky Mountain He's or 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 some of his stuff in in Toronto or, or up in Canada and stuff like that before the uh I'm still not a fan of Jim Crockett Ronnie Garvin the Jim Crockett era Ronnie Garvin but I don't disdain him like I used to however this whole thing is just I don't know i don't I didn't like any of this and to me it was just an albatross for the midnight so I'm sure I'm sure cornet you know, would would say differently. But for me personally, watching it as a fan, no interest in this. As much as I love the Midnight Express.
3: Yeah, my favorite thing about this match was... What's that? The ring announcer literally said what I wrote down. Because <laughs> I, I, I reversed it. And I listened to it again. Do you know what he said?
0: I did not catch it.
3: He said, "And in this corner, here it is, Big Mama (laughs) and the Boogie Boogie Man. Here it is." (laughs) He literally said that. Here it is, (laughs) Boogie Man and Big Mama.
0: And as I actually, I have on my notes here between with Valiant and Garvin teaming together. This might be can this might be the Maxon brothers' least favorite tag team ever.
3: <laughs> I hate the boogie woogie man. <laughs> I like Ronnie Garvin. I really do. I like Ronnie Garvin because I and you know this about me, Nate. I like a professional wrestler to smack the shit out of some
2: mm-hmm. smack
3: the shit out of somebody. Like it's it's not the same thing, but. It's like I like Ronnie Garvin the same reason that I like Dean Malenko. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. That you're not gonna get any sizzle, you're not gonna get, you're not gonna get any fucking flash out of it, but you're gonna get a lot of steak. You know well what I mean? that's
0: what I was. that's why I'm saying like I didn't I I have I have learned to appreciate him more with Ronnie as my Going back through wrestling history and stuff. Like, you know, the shit with Randy Savage is fantastic from ICW. and. But I think the reason that for the longest time in my mindset I wasn't a fan was because my images of Ronnie Garvin were trucker hat Ronnie Garvin and his crappy NWA title run. And then Ronnie Garvin in the WWF being a plotting wrestler. And those are the... You know what I'm saying? So then as I've expanded my what I've seen of him, I can appreciate him more now.
3: I like a little fire plug that'll fucking smack the shit out of you. That's what I want to watch. <laughs> but yeah, that fucking announcer going, and in this quarter, here it is.
0: Here it is. <laughs> he was not Big impressed. Mama
3: and fucking boogie-woogie man.
0: And of course... Boogie Woogie and Miss Atlanta Lively go over the Midnight Express here. And I don't have anything more to say about it.
3: Jim Cornette gets stripped down to his boxers. He does. Yeah. It's fluff. It's (laughs) fluff for the
0: show. Basically. The next match, I love. I love the next match. It is... Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you. I'll tell you. This is a perfect tag team match to me. This is two big brooding heels and two good-looking baby faces with... I mean... Was, is there a tag team that ever had more natural charisma and a better connection with the fans than the Rock and Roll Express? Nope. And that's in my notes.
3: It says, the R&R fucking over. Mm-hmm. And it's O
2: capitalized,
3: <laughs> V capitalized, E capitalized, R capitalized, and a bunch of exclamation points at the end <laughs> of
2: it. Yeah, and they...
3: It also says that these are my most favorite Russians. Because we talked about it earlier. Mm-hmm. Right, are any the Russians really Russian? <laughs> I don't know. But I completely believed that these two guys were actually fucking Russian. Even right. though one of them weren't. One <laughs> was Minnetonka,
0: and the and other one was, was Canada. From
3: Canada. It was from fucking Canada. But...
0: It is the Rock. Oh, sorry, I didn't say the actual match. It's the Russians, Ivan and Nikita Koloff, for the NWA Tag Team titles against the Rock and Roll Express. And let let me say something here real quick. I am I am not a fan, a big fan of Nikita Koloff as a singles wrestler, but I love Nikita Koloff in this tag team with Ivan.
3: Yeah, that's what I'm saying. They were great together.
0: Mhm. And this match is super. Uh, you know, it's funny cuz when the uh when the it must be it must be during the cage match that the Rock and Rolls have with the Andersons. Um when, um, what's his name, Tom Miller says, Let's get ready to boogie because I thought that was this match, really. <laughs> you know, he, they have that cage match, he's like, Let's get ready to boogie the rock and roll express.
3: Yeah, yeah I almost <laughs> wanted to write it down, but it didn't happen.
0: <laughs> I think that's, but I the- think that, yeah, I think that's the next arcade. They have a cage match with the Andersons, I believe.
2: Yeah,
0: um, but anyway, um this match is great. It's, it's like I said, this is what, this is, this is what a great heel versus babyface tag team wrestling is wrestling matches. Um, it almost looks like the rock and rolls aren't going to win. Obviously Ricky Morton sells like a goddamn artist. Um, everything about this match is good. I have nothing bad to say about it. It's fantastic. Um, the R&R go over, obviously, and win the titles. But they go over the way that that team should go over those Russians. By yeah. luck, you know?
3: <laughs> and and that's in my notes. Well, not in my notes, but in one of my notes is, what did fucking Uncle Ivan do to the WWF?
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, no shit. He's not in the Hall of Fame.
3: He's not in the fucking Hall of Fame. I looked it up because I wanted be like—I wanted to make sure they put him in as like a legacy person or whatever. Mm-hmm.
0: And if they did,
3: I'm sorry, but I didn't see it.
2: Mm.
0: No, he is absolutely not in the WWE Hall of Fame. They don't fucking
3: mention him. They don't do anything about that guy, mm-hmm. at all. And fucking Ivan Koloff. Was a fantastic fucking worker. Okay. I, I'm saying it. He was a fucking great worker.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: He bumped great. Um, I've never seen him do anything in the ring that I was like, oh, that guy fucking sucked. Right. You know what I mean? Like, like I, and I'm not knocking any of the people I'm about to mention, but like, I've watched shit from like the 70s with, like, Killer Kowalski or whatever. I'm just like, eh, I don't see it.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: And I'm not knocking the people that enjoyed it because that was what they enjoyed at that time, but, like, when I watch like, Killer Kowalski, it's like, I understand that he was over at that time and people dug him, but then when I when I watch him, I'm just like, eh, whatever. But fucking Ivan's in there in fucking 1987 or 85 that we're talking about fucking working with goddamn Robert Gibson and Ricky Morton and keeping up like, why is this? What the fuck did this guy do? (laughs) They don't fucking acknowledge him.
0: You know what else is another thing about, I I, I don't know.
3: (laughs) That's in my notes. He's, fu- he's the Brock Lesnar of his fucking time. And you he know what? Brock Lesnar of his time. <laughs> he 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 fucking put down Bruno and nobody knew what the fuck to do. Yeah. It's, it's <laughs> the equivalent of me and you sitting on a goddamn sectional, which we were doing when Brock beat Taker Mm-hmm. And both of us being double digit human beings looking at each other and going, I don't know what the fuck we're supposed to do right now.
0: <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. my wrestling universe just ended.
3: <laughs> just turn off the fucking PlayStation? We'll <laughs> where,
0: where, do, where do we go from here? <laughs>
3: yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> fucking Ivan did that to Bruno. Mm hmm. And Bruno's in the Hall of Fame, and he should be. But Ivan Koloff is just out in the fucking ether. I don't fucking understand it. I really don't. What did he fucking do?
0: Don't know. Randy Savage is in. (laughs) And and that's the guy they always say, Vince McMahon didn't want to hear that name. He's never going in the Hall of Fame. But I don't know
3: what the (laughs) fuck Ivan did. I don't understand (laughs)
2: Sorry. Doesn't
0: make any sense. No, that's all right. Um, but like I said, the rock and rolls go over here with a roll-up by Robert Gibson. Um, and they win the the NWA Tag Team Championships. And then magic saying, happens. I'm just saying.
3: Like I said, Nate, you were talking about Ronnie Garvin. About how mm-hmm. great he was. Or not how great he... You didn't think how great he was. But the older you got and the more you watched him, you were like, oh, this guy was good. That's that's kind of how I am with
0: Ivan. I can see it too. And also like so getting to see getting to see stuff getting to see stuff with Ivan uh from the 70s. Before we as as younger fans knew him in the 80s, we didn't obviously we hadn't seen the 70s shit. We weren't born yet. But also looking at stuff from him from like 72, 73, 75, whatever. You know what else is is is? is what do I gonna say? He's fucking scary looking. Yeah, like that's what you're saying like like by the, the, the time by the time we got to see him, he was older. You know, yeah. and he just looked like this. You know, and not to say he didn't look cool, but he was this grizzled old Russian dude, as far as we knew. But you look at him like when he beat Bruno had a big fucking head, and he's fucking Man. thick. And he, <laughs> it's That's scary. Like,
3: like, the older I've gotten, and the more I've been able to watch him, the more I've appreciated fucking Ivan Koloff. And Ivan Koloff could be in the goddamn Hall of Fame.
0: The next match, before it happens, magic happens. Did you notice that? I think... Obviously, this version of Starcade is like the the what the like the Turner Home Video video cassette version or whatever. Uh, we're gonna go to the main event, Dusty Rhodes and Ric Flair, but <laughs> it, it was just funny to me on this video because, like, they show the cages the cages around the ring, and Ricky Robert Gibson's just laying in the ring, all bloodied and shit, and like the attendants are around him and everything, and then it goes black. And then it comes back up, and he's gone. <laughs> and I mean, I know well, it was an editing. They thing, but... there's going to be an intermission. They've I know, been... but you know what I'm saying, though. It's funny on the video because <laughs> it's
3: like... take took him away. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> the next match is the main event. It is Dusty Rhodes and Ric Flair for the NWA World Heavyweight Championship. And what I wrote down here is obviously fun to watch, all the spots you remember. And this is the most important thing to me about this match isn't the match, it's the build. The build to this match has some of the most memorable things to happen and the most memorable promos of all time.
3: Yeah, and I agree with that. Um, In my notes, I mean, if you want to talk about the interviews or whatever, you can. That's
0: fine. Well, I was just going to say, I mean, this this spurned, folks, the the Hard Times promo from Dusty Rhodes, which is one of the classic promos of all time. Yeah. And, um, and just so many great promos from Flair. And this really, would you say, and I know, I mean, I know there were, I mean, obviously the, the Ric Flair gimmick goes back a few years before this. But wouldn't you say that this feud is what established the style in profiling, jet flying, limousine riding, Ric Flair.
3: Well, I was going to say this about this pay-per-view. This pay-per-view is the pay-per-view that establishes what people our age understand about or not understand about but um love about the NWA cuz mm-hmm. this is the last big thing before the horsemen yeah you know what i mean like mm-hmm. if, this is this is pre-horsemen there's no horsemen right here right Ole and arnor their own thing and jj's doing his this is the how do I want to say it? It's like it's the like. Do you know how you talk about like with WWF WrestleMania One? You know what I mean. So then mm-hmm. you get WrestleMania One, and then there's the rest of the history of the WWF, and that's what everybody talks about, right? It's our age. This is basically ben. the WrestleMania One. Of the NWA, mm-hmm.
0: but yeah, you're right. This is that moment for the NWA for for the '80s, for the '80s. Yeah,
3: um,
0: the and it's funny because '85. I mean, you think about it; that's when WrestleMania one was also. So this is like a watershed year for, I guess you'd say, our generation of wrestling fans.
3: Yeah, and and like I said, like Flair. And Dusty was like the, the blow off of the great feud. And I know they went back to it, but it was just to me, this was the watershed of the NWA before it became WC. It would eventually become that, but do, do I sound stupid in what I'm saying? No,
0: no, I know what you're trying to say. Yeah, and it is, it's, it's, it's a. It's a critical moment, you know. It's it's a it's a history making event, and one of the things, like I said, I wrote down here all the spots we remember. I loved watching the match. I don't have a lot of specifics because it's Dusty and Flair, and it was just magic. Okay. Um, one one thing I do have written down here: there is an annoying motherfucker in the crowd. Yeah, did you that guy that's just like whoo? Yeah, he's woo. And then Dusty will like do the, the Bionic thing, you know, and he's, he's hitting flare on the head, and the guy's like, woo, woo, woo! Every time Dusty I'm like this guy needs to die. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Probably, anyway.
3: I <laughs> um I have two notes about this match. The first note is Honestly, and, and, and you can tell me if I'm wrong, but does Ric Flair have the greatest entrance of all time?
1: That's on,
0: that's on the spot for me. I would have to think about it. I mean, well, he has one of the greatest entrances of all like time. The fucking music and the fucking
3: robe and the hair, and just a boom, 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 boom. You know what I'm
0: saying? Yeah.
3: Like, like I know you're not going to tell me that he's the greatest wrestler of all time, and I'm A1, A2 with him and Savage as being the greatest wrestlers of all time, and then I put fucking, put Kurt, Ang- Kurt, Kurt, Ang- Kurt Hennig in there, but entrance-wise, man, just that Fucking two thousand one Odyssey, boom, boom, boom. boom. That, that's the fucking greatest goddamn entrance music ever, in my opinion.
0: I'm not gonna get on the weeds on it. That might be something. With, that may be a good topic for a next, uh, not next time, but a future show. Like the greatest, not just entrance theme, but overall greatest entrances.
3: Well, no, it's fucking flare hand down. I'm not getting in the weeds. <laughs> and then my other note is that I hate people saying that Dusty was just fat or whatever. That fucking dude. Like he could he could go in there and fucking work with anybody.
0: Yep. He was he was one he of was those fat. guys. He was fat. He was
3: an, I'm not gonna say he wasn't fat. Well, no,
0: but he was a natural though.
3: But I think sometimes like oh Dusty was fat motherfucker. No, oh, that dude went in there with fucking Ric Flair and Harley Race and all kinds of other motherfuckers. Dusty doesn't. And- Dusty gets a lot of credit for being the personality, personality that he was, but Dusty doesn't get a lot of credit for being the fucking athlete that he was. In my opinion, yeah,
2: yeah.
0: I mean, he is. I am in no way, shape, or form, folks, comparing the two guys. Or maybe I am in a way, but to me, it's it's a very similar thing you could say about Yokozuna, you know. And, and Dusty wasn't five hundred pounds like Rodney. But what I'm saying is, yeah, sure, yeah, okay. You look at him as you know his appearance, and he looks out of shape. But from from nineteen. 19- from 1992 until, what would you say, at least 1994, Yokozuna for his size.
3: I'd give him 95.
0: Okay. You put him in the ring with Bret Hart. You put him in the ring with fucking, uh, uh, give me a name. You know, it doesn't matter. You put him in the ring with with a great technician or, or a guy that works a fast pace. And is gonna stick with him and hang with him, and you're gonna be insanely impressed by that. <laughs> you know? Like, Jesus Christ. Look at this big motherfucker go.
3: And and Dusty, like you said, would not put him with Yoko. Like, Dusty wasn't anywhere near
1: Yoko's you know, size. Fat, right.
3: I don't wanna say fat, but nowhere as near as husky. <laughs> As Yokozuna, but I'm just saying, like Ric Flair, not Ric Flair, Dusty Rhodes, got in there with guys like Ric Flair and Harley and all of them, and fucking hung. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: And and I'm a bigger Ric Flair fan or Ric Flair fan than I'm a Dusty Rhodes fan, but I I that's just my thing about Dusty is I don't think he gets enough credit. I, I, I know he gets credit. Like, oh, everybody's like, oh, the Dusty Boot, and they have the Dusty Challenge, and the Dusty Tournament, and all that shit. But I don't think Dusty Rhodes, the wrestler, gets enough credit. Like, Dusty Rhodes, the promo man, and the, the sizzle, mm-hmm. there's a lot of credit. But I don't think he gets enough credit for his stake. If that makes sense.
0: Yeah. When he wasn't being selfish, he was as good as anybody. Yep. And I love Dusty, so I can, I'll make that statement. When he wasn't being selfish, when he wasn't thinking about Dusty. <laughs> but,
3: if you're in charge, and you're doing your thing, and it's about taking care of your family, who are you going to worry about? Right. <clears throat>
0: And that's why a wrestler should never be a
3: booker. Or an active wrestler should never be a booker. So Dusty Rose wins the belt, wins the belt, bitches. Surprise.
0: In a dusty finish.
3: Yeah, well, he gets a small package and he's the new champion. And then he parties with Pez Watley, the Italian stallion, Billy Jack Haynes, and the
0: Mary Fernandez. Yes. And uh after Starcade, as we all know, Dusty does not get to remain the NWA champion. Like I said, this is a dusty finish. Another referee comes in because Arne Anderson and Oli Anderson interfere after Tommy Young goes down. Another referee comes in and counts the counts the uh, the three for Mister Rhodes, and then uh, subsequently the title is given back to Ric Flair. Hence the dusty finish I alluded to earlier. But regardless of that, I will say in parting for this week's show, Starcade '85. If you've got a five-star um, base, I guess you'd say, i can give this pay-per-view four stars. Four Jeff Farmer yeps.
3: I would give it four Jeff Farmer yeps. Plus a... Rip.
0: <laughs> well, that's, that's a nice compliment. Good job
3: there. So four and a half yes.
0: All right. Well, there you go. Starcade eighty five. We're done with that one. It was a fun show to watch to go back and watch. I actually haven't watched that show in a couple of years.
3: One of my fa- so. it's honestly one of my favorite fucking shows ever. Like, I don't know what it is about it, but fucking Starcade eighty five. Every time I watch them, I'm like, this is fucking great. This is like <laughs> Fucking show, man!
0: It's a great wrestling card.
2: Absolutely
0: oh,
3: it's great from top to bottom. Even the bad shit's good.
0: Well, that being said, we're gonna wrap up this edition of the We Can't Wrestle podcast. Aaron, any parting words for our listeners this week? I I just hope
3: you guys enjoyed watching this show with us. And if you
2: didn't,
0: well, screw you! You don't. Know what <laughs> <you're good. laughs> And um my parting words will be this again like I said at the beginning of the show check out all the other shows on the WrestleNet Radio Podcast Network stay tuned for more the Hall of Fame is coming up I set out the ballots this week for everybody to vote in the Hall of Fame we have some new uh actually some new um uh, panelists this year and I'm very excited so stay tuned for that the Hall of Fame at the beginning of 2022 but that being said, everybody, thank you for joining us this week on the We Can't Wrestle podcast, and we'll see you next time around. Have a great week, everybody. The We Can't Wrestle podcast is a production of Maxin' Out Media, all rights reserved.